Hey guys, hope you're having a great day and happy almost weekend to you all. Happy Friday. And uh, if you're listening to this, uh, before, you know, after the replay, then uh, hope you're having a good week. Thank you so much for tuning into everything with Ali Levine. I really can't say thank you enough for supporting my show. All the amazing comments and feedback you guys have been giving me. I'm so honored to have the guests I've had, and I have so many amazing ones coming. And today's guest is incredible. I have Erin Trailer from raw beauty company and raw beauty talks guys she is dedicated to helping women live from a place of self-love through her coaching programs her podcast and her online shop and she's all about redefining beauty and how it starts from the inside guys this episode is so powerful it is so inspiring it is for everyone and i just love what she shares and how honest and vulnerable she is in her own journey and what she's doing for others so i hope you guys enjoy and tune in and as always, don't forget to follow me at Ali Levine Design. Follow the podcast page, Everything with Ali Levine. Leave a review, please. It means so much to me when you leave a review. I love to read them. I'm going to start reading them on the show as well because I just, they lift me up so much. So thank you so much for all your feedback and just all your love and your reviews in advance. Just all the support, guys. It means so much to me. And I hope you guys are doing well. Stay safe. And thank you for tuning in. This is Everything with Ali Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Ali Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Ali interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Everything with Allie Levine. I'm your host, Allie, and I am so, so excited for today's guest. I have an incredible woman, mother, entrepreneur, just such an inspiration. I love following her on social media, and I was so honored to get to have her on my show. I have the fabulous Erin Trelore. How are you, love? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Allie. Oh my gosh. Thank you for being here. I just, honestly, I was telling you before we started recording, like, I love how real and raw you are. I love your whole, you know, movement and community around real raw beauty talks. And I wanted to have you on because I think you're so inspirational that you are just so vulnerable in your space and you're helping others to do the same. Oh, well, you know what? It's been a journey and (laughs) For whatever reason, I like to post about the journey and talk about the journey. And I find that in doing that, especially around vulnerable conversations, that it really serves me as well. And so, um, you know, I think as human beings, we're driven and really want to connect with others. And if anybody's been listening to Brene Brown over the last couple of years, I think one of her key messages is that our greatest points of connection are in those spaces of vulnerability. As uncomfortable as it may be, I can attest to the fact that this is 100% true and why I do the work that I do. Yeah, that's amazing. What I was gonna say, you know, for those that maybe don't know you, could you take us back a little bit and share like how you got into this space and, and what I guess called you to share? Yeah. So I, in, I struggled with an eating disorder in high school and 
there was no serious trauma in my family or, you know, monumental experience that led me down that path. It really was this image of beauty, this um, pressure that we feel as a woman to fit into this perfect mold that started me on a path of quote unquote healthy eating. And the further I went down this path of healthy eating, the more disordered my thoughts became around food, the more complicated my relationship became with my body. And all of a sudden I found myself in a space where it no longer felt like I had control over the decisions that I was making around food and exercise. It literally felt like there was another voice in my head that was telling me not to eat, that was counting calories, that was obsessing over at the time it was fat in foods. Fat was bad back in the day. And so I was terrified of it. Um, and really quickly, really quickly spiraled into a really severe eating disorder. Uh, I ended up hospitalized for three months in between grade 11 and 12. Not exactly where most teen girls want to be spending their time in a <laughs> like isolated hospital corridor. Wow. Um, but it was an opportunity to press pause on life for a moment and to start to get clear on who Aaron was and is, and um, really to kind of lay the foundation for everything that was to come. When I left the hospital, I still wasn't completely healed by any means. I was at a healthier weight, but my relationship with food and understanding what I should and should not eat was very complicated and moved into this space of being really healthy still during the day and kind of restrictive. So I would have certain foods that were okay to eat and was really always thinking about food still. And then in the evening, I would binge. I would eat way more than I was comfortable with unless I kept myself busy, um, had distractions. And I would find, especially if there was drinking involved, which I was in my early twenties, it's like what we did every weekend, um, I would just lose control around food. And the shame and guilt that I felt after those binges was awful. And it would lead me to the next day exercising, 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 and again, restricting, 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 I thought that there was something wrong with me. I thought I was the only woman who couldn't figure out how to diet. I thought that I would live this way forever, consumed by food, feeling out of control, just a complete failure, disgusted by my body, which was not disgusting, but that's the way that I saw it. And uh, on the outside, you would have thought I was completely fine. Truly. I was you know, working at a restaurant and I had a great group of friends and we traveled, but inside I was just so tormented by this relationship with food and my body. And it wasn't until I met a life coach um, and she described what she did to me. And she said, you know, uh, therapy spends a lot of time working on the past. It's really important. And, and I cannot say enough about therapy personally. Coaching spends a lot more time looking into the future. Who do you want to be? How do you want to show up? And let's move from point A where you are right now to point B. We're not going to spend a lot of time digging around in the past. We're going to start to move your life forward. And I thought, oh my God, this is what I need. I've done so much digging around in the past. There's nothing there. There's no rocks uncovered. Let's move forward. And so I started working with her and you know, the last 10 years has been such a journey in healing 
my relationship with food and my body. And I can say wholeheartedly now that I love and appreciate my body. I eat intuitively. My mind is consumed by so many things other than food right now. It's just, I have my life back. And I know that, I mean, the stats say it's crazy, Ali, 65% of women struggle with disordered eating. So eating that wouldn't be considered intuitive or feel normal. Um, and anybody who's been on a diet would be categorized under that umbrella. Plus an additional 10% of women have eating disorders. So 75% of women are struggling in their relationship with food. And I believe that when we're struggling with our relationship with food, it's indicative of the fact we're struggling with our relationship with our body and probably things like stress and overwhelm. And when we look at bigger issues out there, wage gaps, women in powerful positions in C-suite office spots, and we're wondering why can't we get there? Why isn't it equal yet? I'm like, it's because we're so distracted by the way that we look and it's numbing us out and, and holding us down. And so, you know, I could talk about this for hours, but that is where my passion comes from <laughs> and why I get so fired up talking about it and why I've spent the last six years building my company, Raw Beauty Co. Well, first off, thank you so much for sharing, you know, that truth about yourself and your own, you know, real raw experience of what you went through, because I think anyone that's, you know, listening right now can see someone like you as someone who has, you know, rose up from your own darkness and your own demons and had to fight to get there and do the work, but look at you now and all the incredible things you're doing with your company and how inspirational you are to women and, you know, so many girls out there that are, you know, struggling with their bodies. And, you know, I was saying to you before we started recording, like, I feel like, you know, society wants to tell us constantly, like how to look, you know, how to dress, how to do this, how to do that. And if you don't fit in a certain box, then you're not correct. And, you know, I also struggled with this when I was in high school um, with not wanting to eat at times on and off and feeling uncomfortable about it and going in the bathroom to eat at school because I didn't want to be seen eating certain things and I didn't mm -hmm. feel comfortable putting certain things in my mouth. And, you know, thank God I never got to a point of, you know, where, you know, you did, but I definitely had moments where I would shame myself as a young girl because, you know, I wasn't eating the same thing as the popular girls I was sitting with, or because I was a cheerleader, you know, I wasn't expected to, you know, eat this or eat that. And I would, you know, yeah. go to the bathroom with my lunch tray instead, you know, and mm -hmm. it's horrible when you think about it. And it's like, but this really does come from society saying like, you know, it's so important that you look like this. And it's so important that you fit in this box. And in order to be this, you need to be that. And I, I love that you said that because even as someone who's been a celebrity stylist for so many years, you know, it's been one of my conversations with my clients is like, just because so-and-so on a cover is wearing that, like, doesn't mean you have to wear that. Doesn't mean you have to look like that. You need to look like you, you need to feel confident mm. as you, you know? And I think it's so all intertwined is like you said it's like the body is the foundation right like the body is everything and then it's like the clothes that you put on the body but it's like you can't even put the right clothes on the body if you don't feel good in the body and mm -hmm. you know it's like vulnerability around like both of that and you're looking at everyone else around you going like oh well they're this size and oh they look great in this and they can wear that trend and it's like well yeah because that trend fits a certain size and like that you know narrative is this certain thing and it's like 
but that's not the world. And that's not the majority. Like you're even saying right now, 75%, like I didn't even know that are struggling, but that's not surprising to me. It's not, and it should be, but it's not surprising. And it's wild when we think that, you know, our body size and shape and height are, we're genetically predispositioned to land somewhere. It's usually within a range of five to 10 pounds. Um, and our body wants to be there. That's our body's space where it's healthy and going to feel them. You're going to feel the most energized and vibrant. And because we see images constantly from a very young age and now more than ever with social media that tell us our body should look a different way, we feel like we're not good enough when really our body has always been good enough. Our body is the one thing that is there beside us from the moment that our cells start to divide. And so we can really quickly as women disconnect from our body and believe that it's wrong. It's not doing what we need it to do. It's not good enough. When, if we pause for just a moment and really take a step back and look at what's happening around us, our bodies have always been worthy. Our bodies have always been serving of the knockers out right now. What an idea. We all wafy frame in the 90s to like the supermodels in the late 90s, Cindy Crawford, uh, Naomi Campbell, who had still long and lean bodies, but a little bit more strength, I guess, would be, uh, was part of the ideal, the, the Victoria's Secret model look. And then in now, in 2020, 2010 to 2020, um, we've seen the rise of curves and bums and the belfy. And so the ideals around a woman's body will always shift and change a little bit. And it will always be 1% of women who have that exact body type because we're part of nature. We're all supposed to be different and, and that's okay. On the other side of the thin ideal, we have a huge fear of weight, of fat, fat phobia. And it's terrifying to us because we've been told that being overweight is bad for your health, that it will lead to heart attacks and diabetes and aches and pains and joints. But what they also know is that the majority of women who are struggling with their weight, who are dieting, are within a healthy weight range. They don't need to be losing weight, and yet they feel like they do because of the thin ideal. We also have to think about the labels that we put on different body types. And unfortunately, there's a huge stigma around weight in our society. So now we're afraid to gain weight, and we feel that we need to lose weight in order to be desirable and connected. And so what do we do? Well, the diet industry shows up and on a big platter has a number of different diets that we can partake in. And it feels like this will be the solution to the problem. This will prevent me from gaining weight and help me to lose weight. But what we also know about diets that isn't talked about so much, and Christy Harrison does an incredible job of breaking this down in her book, Anti-Diet, which I would recommend to everyone. Anti-diet is not anti-health. It's just not going on diets. Um, and in that book, she really breaks down this story and narrative that we have about diets when in reality, 
a diet is an indicator. I can't remember what the percentage is and I don't want to say it, but I'm going to share it so you can share it in your show notes. But essentially it's that a diet is a very solid indicator that you will gain weight over time. That's not what we hear from the diet industry. We hear that diets will help you lose weight and all of your dreams will come true. But in reality, (laughs) the restriction required from a diet causes almost like a pendulum swinging causes us to go in the other direction. When we stop the diet, our body goes into survival mode and it wants to eat the food, take in the food, hold and store the food. So diets don't work. They don't work, period. End of story. 98% of them fail within one to three years. Yes. Oh my gosh. Other ways for of saying it, because it's like, you just said, it's like most people, it doesn't work. And it's like society wants to feed this down, you know, shove this down your throat. And then, like you said, I love that you said on a silver platter, like, Hey, here's, you know, the, the end all, here's what you need to be doing. And then you'll be happy. And it's like, well, why aren't we happy with, you know, where we are in our bodies? And then we can make those tweaks as you're saying and changes instead of going so extreme and saying, I need to do this and then I'll be happy. Cause that's not true. What I find now working as a health coach. So I had hundreds of conversations with women when we launched raw, we, it was a, a photography series. It was my side hustle. And We photographed women without makeup, photo editing, or filters. And I just had really real, honest conversations with them about all the things I was curious about. Were they going to do Botox? How did they feel about their boobs after having a baby? Had they ever struggled with their relationship with food? Did they have confidence? I mean, I learned so much from these conversations. And then I reached a point where I was like, I cannot talk to one more woman who doesn't see how incredible she is, who is being held back in any capacity by food or her relationship to her body (laughs) without having some tools to help her move forward. So that's how I ended up going into um, do my health coaching and now why I study meditation and a number of different things, different modalities to support women. Um, Because there is another way that we can tap into wellness, that we can love and appreciate our body and still feel healthy and vibrant and, um, and without going on a diet, without going on a diet. And so that's, you know, now what I spend my time doing is teaching women this other way of existing in a world that is obsessed with our size. Yes. Oh my God. Anyone listening, write that down because of your size. It's so true. I'm so guilty of it too. It's, you know, it's like, I went from, you know, being, and I've never been like big, but like, I, you know, I'm a petite woman and I've gone from like the waves of being super, super petite, like where you're like, oh my gosh, I need to get like vacation skinny and you know, all the things, you know, to then like having, you know, a traumatic C-section and then, you know, having my next daughter and looking at my body and being like, whoa, I don't recognize her like what is it and I I really realized how awful I was to my own body Aaron after I had my c-section I would stand in the mirror and I would just like pull on that extra fat and look at myself and be like ooh, oh what Mm. is that like you know Mm -hmm. that's that's terrible you know and and just stare at it and be like oh what's this overhang ooh this this was not there before and oh and just the horrible things that I would just say to myself and my body instead of first off one being like um you just freaking had a baby and (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, it's like, I just, I laugh sometimes now when I think about 
because I'm way more mindful, you know, having my second girl and knowing how much I need to do for myself, like you said, with meditation and what I do, my affirmations and everything I do, my own toolbox. But I laugh at myself now because I used to stare in the mirror and just, just rip that woman apart. And I'm like, wow, that that's just so terrible. And when I think about that and know, especially from everything you're sharing in the stats, it's like, no wonder we're all like losing our minds and so focused on like everything, you know, outside instead of going within. And, you know, you've come to such a beautiful place where, like I said, you share so rawly and it seems like you've found such a peace within yourself. Like, how do you feel like you came to that? And I guess when you talk about that intuitive eating, like share with us more, because I, you know, I feel like you hear this so much and it's kind of a little bit of a trendy buzzword, but I know it really is a real, you know, practice that can come with eating. Can you share more about your own piece around where you've gotten to and that intuitive eating that you are discussing? Yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of women, if you tell them you're never going on another diet again, you are just going to eat in tune with your hunger and fullness levels. They're like, oh, hell no. That is so scary to me. I would lose control. I would eat everything in front of me. And I 100% thought the same thing. I was like, I will always have to have parameters around what I eat or I go off the deep end. And so the first thing that everyone needs to know about intuitive eating is that everyone is an intuitive eater. You were born an intuitive eater. If there's any moms listening who have kids, you'll notice your kids are very intuitive about when they're hungry, when they're full, what they like, what they don't like. They will, you know, eat stuff and stop and then they carry on with their day and they go off and play and they're in their own little world and in the moment. It's not so complicated. And for the most part, all of us were, well, everyone was like that when they were born and now younger and younger, it's becoming complicated. But we all begin that way. So this isn't some tool that you have to learn. You already know how to do it. You just have to come home to it. And intuitive eating for me, um, I'm not trained as an intuitive eating dietitian. There are plenty of people out there, but I've kind of created my own hybrid, really, really based off of many of the fundamentals of intuitive eating. For me, it's about coming back to your body and recognizing If we take our weight and our size off the table for a moment and just tune into what kind of foods I enjoy eating and how do they make me feel after I eat? And if I can tune back into my hunger and fullness levels, a lot of women have no idea when they're actually hungry or full, um, but we can practice learning those cues again. If I can tune into my hunger and fullness levels and know when I'm ready to stop eating and know when it's time to eat based on physical cues and not emotional triggers, then it's as kind of as complicated and as simple as that. Now, the interesting piece around intuitive eating is that we've got to start to bring some conscious awareness to our emotions and other things that are driving us to eat. And for a lot of people, we're very emotional eaters. Emotional eating is fine, absolutely okay, and 100% normal. We're going to have moments when we're sad, happy, scared, frightened, whatever, bored, where we're going to eat and that's totally okay. But if we're only eating based off of our emotions, then we're not really working with our body's cues and what it really needs. So um, for me, when I work with clients and I have a, a 12 week program called the raw beauty reset, 
we're really learning how to listen to those cues again, how to identify which foods work well for your body that we want to focus on eating more of, and maybe which foods are leaving you tired or bloated. Um, some bloating's okay, but painful bloating we want to avoid. Uh, if you're having acne breakouts, we would consider those more low energy foods. And I am of the mindset, I don't restrict anything um, other than sometimes I will go without alcohol. Um, but other than that, everything is available for me to eat. I just incorporate more high energy foods into my diet than low energy foods, but I still have chips every day and I'm really <laughs> all about the carbs. So there's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's incredible once you get started, how quickly you can really come back to the way that your, our bodies were meant to eat. It's not that complicated. Like our body was designed to help us not only survive, but to thrive in life. It wants us to eat foods that are going to make us feel well. We just have to learn how to listen to it again. And for a lot of us, we've stopped listening to our body. We've stopped connecting to it, to it. And we've started to outsource information from all of these other people out there who aren't living in our body, who doesn't know what works for our unique body. So it's, it's a journey and, um, and it takes, it takes time, but, uh, it's one that is well worth living because when that piece starts to feel easier, you just have so much more capacity to do the things that light you up. And for me, that's my, my family, my work, um, actually enjoying my time skiing, doing yoga, learning how to meditate, all the things, all the things. Amazing. Well, and you know, I love it. You said it sounds like, you know, from all the work you've done and even working with so many women and building your coaching that you have found your own inner peace with so much of this from not only sharing, but also heavily finding your toolbox, like you're saying with meditation and, you know, continuing to coach and build others up and share your message. It sounds like it's continued to bring that inner peace for you. It absolutely has. And it has been a journey. I mean, this is a story that's being told over 20 years now. I'm 36 years old next week. And I, I think it's important for people to remember as well, you know, if you're in a hard space, which a lot of people are at the end of after this year and everything that's been going on, that it doesn't all happen at once. Um, as you're figuring out what lights you up and working on your wellness and leaning into what you're passionate about, these things unfold piece by piece, page by page. And so we've got to be gentle with ourselves along the way. I've had so many times and I still do where I know what I want for myself and I'm not quite there. And it's very easy always to look around and see other people who are doing it better or who've made it further and to compare ourselves to that. But what I always have to come back to is where am I right now? And what is the next step forward for me? What is the next piece of this puzzle that needs to be put in place? And uh, in doing that, I, I do feel like I'm in a really good place right now. And uh, it has been piece by piece though. And there have, been, <laughs> there have been so many days of tears and moments when my anxiety was out of control and moments when I thought this wasn't gonna work or I didn't know what I was doing. So yeah, it's a journey. 
Well, anyone listening, I mean, write that down, you know, how Aaron was saying like piece by piece, you know, this is a journey. I think we all have to remind ourselves of that continuously, especially when it comes to social media and everything we see again on the outside and the exterior, because everyone's journey is different. And as you know, Aaron just shared, like, you know, it's been a 20 year journey for you. And it sounds like, you know, even though you are, of course, at a more peaceful place, you're very intentional and very mindful that this is a journey and a process and you continue to do the work around it and put those practices in place to be successful in your inner peace. Mm, Have to, I have to, I wasn't, but I was born into a sensitive, empathetic body (laughs) that absorbs all the things. So I have to be tuned into my tools and self-care and I have to be very aware. Otherwise I I go down after having my uh, second child, my daughter, Brooklyn, I carried on full force doing this work that I'm so passionate about. And I never really took a proper break and I burned out. I ended up with terrible postpartum anxiety and panic attacks that really floored me for a year. And so it's experiences like that and eating disorder and, you know, being hospitalized and all the things that you slowly over time start to learn your boundaries and your, your limitations. And, uh, I used to actually, I used to really look at it as, as limitations. And now I see more that, my anxiety and my sensitivity are continuously funneling me in the direction that I need to be in, in order to be more successful or in order to be more aligned with, you know, what's really right for me. It's very easy in those moments to be like, I can't, can't stand this part of myself. I can't like, why do I have to have so much anxiety? Why can't I do things as quickly or as intensely as others? Um, and so it's, it's taken time as well to, to make peace with that and to understand how those things actually serve me as well. Yeah. Well, and I love that, you know, you also shared about, you know, you're obviously hospitalization and, you know, postpartum anxiety and all these episodes and, you know, panic. It's like, in my opinion, I feel like, and I've gone through it as well as, you know, the universe will give you little nudges and be like, Hey, check in with yourself. You should check in with yourself, you know? And then when you don't, you get like a swift kick. And Absolutely. Then when, and then when you really don't, it's like, Hey, here's a two by four to your head, you know? Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. Know, are you listening now? Are you paying attention? Okay, good. Oh I have attention. You know, that's how I feel, you know, it's been so many times where, and you know, back when I wasn't really conscious to it, I wasn't paying attention. I would just be like, oh, what the hell? Like, why is everything such a mess? But now that I'm so aware and intentional, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, want, I don't want to get hit in the head again. So like, let me like, slow totally. down. <laughs> now we're ducking and, and running and swiftly avoiding the two by four, but yeah, it took a couple <laughs> swift hits to the head for me to really like understand what was going on. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and I think like, again, to what you're sharing, like that's part of the journey, that's part of the work. And I love too, that you shared, you know, that, you know, with coaching and therapy that you really, you know, you did the work, but you didn't stay stuck in the past. I think that's another thing too, that like, you know, everyone's like, oh, I got I got to work on all these things, you know, for my past and, and just stay there. And it's like, well, yeah, you need to work in it, but then you need to get out of it. You, need, you can't sit in it and just be there and then wonder why you're not going forward. And I love when Absolutely. you're coaching, you're like, let's go about go forward. Let's not go backwards. 
Absolutely. And that's what we do as coaches is really work with you on creating habits that are going to help you move forward in the way that you want to move forward uh, versus being stuck in patterns and habits that are no longer serving you. And of course, part of that is looking at why you fell into these patterns, um, but then it's also creating them and, and taking those steps forward, adding pieces to the puzzle and stepping into your power. It's fun. I have the best job in the world. I was going to say, you, I love how lit up you are by it and how passionate you are. And, you know, I mean, Aaron, you know, like you said, you're a mom, you know, as well now. And, you know, I mean, what was it like to go from, you know, your body being, you know, before mom to, you know, having, you know, your babies and then still being, you know, a coach and everything you're doing and being like, okay, I, you know, I'm in this new body. This is a whole new journey for me. Like, what was that like for you? Because I can imagine it was vulnerable in a new sense, especially because you, you know, you were coaching. Did I just hear a little baby? Yes. My, my husband, she, <laughs> real mom life. My husband just brought Arlie in because she wants to nurse and he's like, Hey, I can't help with that. <laughs> Yes. Get, get, get some food going. I love it. Multitasking mama. You're incredible. Oh my goodness. Thank you. you. (laughs) Oh, my relationship with my body during pregnancy. I feel like it might be different than some women or maybe what would be expected. I loved my body in pregnancy. I felt so voluptuous. I mean, I'm really long and lean to be honest. And I felt like I had boobs and I had a butt and my (laughs) lips were like, looked like they'd been pumped full of something. And it was all just like my, everything felt so vital. My hair was thicker. I was into it. I mean, of course, like every pregnant woman, I had aches and pains and there were parts of pregnancy that I was not into at all. But in regards to how my body looked, I actually really loved it. And I think part of that was due to the amount of extensive work I'd done (laughs) accepting my body. Um, But I have found. And then after having my kids again, I just felt really proud of what my body had done. And to be honest, my, I didn't experience massive changes. I didn't have these, I didn't have stretch marks or skin that, um, remained stretched out. And that is completely genetic. I didn't do anything. I wasn't rubbing any magic lotion on me. It's just the way that my body was. What did change was my boobs. My boobs went from a full C cup to like golf balls in a sock situation when I leaned down. (laughs) And it's like the kids just sucks the life out of them breastfeeding. And so now I have these itty bitty titties and because my boobs had gotten me attention in my twenties, I'd kind of attached to them. So I've had so many thoughts back and forth about getting implants and like, am I okay with these boobs? That piece was the hardest for me. And I don't think I'll get implants because there's a lot of really big pros to having teeny tiny boobies. Um, And I just don't think I care enough to like surgically cut open my skin and insert something foreign. I have mad appreciation for women who do it. And I'm like, wow, your boobs are incredible. But I just don't know if I could put my body through that. Um, And also knowing how sensitive I am, I'm like, I would for sure be the person whose body rejects the implants. And I go into like a deep depression and I just don't, I just don't think I'm willing to risk it. I don't, I don't think I will. So 
you know, at this point, my husband's down with them and uh, I've got more important things to worry about. Yeah. But I love, first off, I love that you shared about pregnancy because I felt the same with both girls. I felt like, oh my gosh, like everything's pumped up. I'm mm-hmm. like, slowly, it's fabulous. Like I honestly, like, I, I mean, obviously I love having my babies, but like, I miss my mom. Like I told you, <laughs> <laughs> I totally do. Like, I'm like, oh, I could just like rock my bum with anything. And it was just so cute and so fun. Yeah. I had all these curves and like, I, to- I totally get it. Cause I was totally that person with both of them, regardless of not being a move and the aches and the pains. And I just love my bump and dressing it and everything. But, you know, for me, I think it was like, after that, especially with Amelia, you know, my postpartum depression, it was like, I looked in the mirror and I'm like, okay, now there's no more bump. There's just like this fat hanging and like, Mm -hmm. Ooh, like, what is that? And Oh, and the big scar and that this and that. And it was just like, and then, you know, fast forward to Arlie and then, you know, thank God I had my V back with her, you know, my vaginal birth after C-section. And I was so grateful because I had worked so hard, you know, to intentionally really, you know, make that happen and manifest yes. life. And I was so grateful, but then I caught myself doing the same thing again, where I looked in the mirror and I'm like, oh, but I thought with a V back, my body was going to look different. And it was like, Allie, but you still had a baby. (laughs) Totally. Oh, it's such a journey. Motherhood really stretches you in your stomach, but like in all areas of life. And you know, this as a mom who's working and you're literally like feeding your baby while you're having this conversation that it so I can tell you're driven, you're passionate about what you do. And yet we are also making space to build our family. And so there are a lot of pieces that have to change and, and kind of maneuver in doing that. It's a lot. It's a lot having (laughs) the young kids and working and um, trying to take care of your mental health and your physical well-being and your marriage and all the things that come into play. So, I mean, Yes, the conversation that we're having around our body is a big one, but just becoming a mom, there's a lot of pieces in there that, and a lot of change. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I love that you said the stretching of your body, but really the stretching of all of you as becoming a mom. It's so beautifully said. It's like for anyone listening, you know, who, you know, is a mom or is a new mom, it's like, you know, everything does stretch, everything does change, but not just in the physical and the body, but everything about your life shifts and changes, you know, and, and when you spoke to, you know, having that, you know, positivity and, you know, being of our, our wellness and, you know, how we feel, Erin, where do you feel like for you, you continue to keep that inner peace and you continue to allow yourself to stay, you know, overall in a good space? What would you share with others that you feel like helps you? Mm. Okay. So, um, a couple of things before I give you my, my toolbox, I just want to state for a moment in regards to, uh, becoming a mother and the stretch that's required. Oftentimes I experience with women when we are stressed or overwhelmed or going through a difficult chapter in life or, you know, transforming in some way, maybe through grief or childbirth or birth or whatever it is. We have a tendency to take those difficult emotions and to turn them around and to put them onto our body, to make it our body's fault. So it's like we're feeling difficult things and almost without a doubt, when I talk to women and they're having a struggle with their body image, there's also something else difficult going on in their life. It's become this 
way of us metabolizing those emotions that we can blame it on our body. Well, like I feel bigger today. I'm ugly. I don't, I'm not doing well enough. I can't fit any of my clothes right. And when we peel back the layers, really there's like something else going on at work or in the relationship or we're lonely or we're bored. And the tendency becomes to just focus on our body because we believe we can control that. And that, you know, if we can get skinnier, all these other problems will just disappear. So it's just something for people to become aware of and notice when you're having a tough day all around, do you have a tendency to start picking apart your body, to start controlling your food a little bit more? Um, or if you notice, why am I controlling my food so much right now or thinking about this or binging um, or feeling so sad and depressed about my body? What else is going on in my life uh, right now that I could focus on creating some change around? rather than just beating up on my body. Just something for people to think about. Uh, no, I'm so glad you brought that up. It's, it's so true. And I'm so guilty of doing it and, you know, choosing to do more. <laughs> Hi, our co-star. Hello, sweet thing. She's like, yes, you're saying all the, all the right things, you know, but it's true. It's like you focus on those things instead of focusing on you know everything all together and again from kind of the beginning of where we started with the show of like focusing on the body and wronging the body and then that taking over everything else but thinking that oh if just the body was all good then everything else would all be good and it's just not true yeah yeah yes yeah so okay so talk about self-care and toolbox I mean this is layered for me and there are things that are more superficial like using my gua sha and putting on <laughs> my oils and uh, reading nice books and that kind of thing. The stuff that we traditionally think about with self-care, but we all know about those things. And um, so instead I will focus on the self-care that has been deeply healing and transformative for me. And that has been therapy, having my own coach in moments, um, not drinking. I, in 2020 had seven months where I didn't drink and um, I started doing sober January and I've just kind of continued on. And to be honest, I think most likely I'll continue for several months. That one piece is the most impactful for my mental health. And I don't have a drinking problem. It's just alcohol, even if it's two glasses on a Saturday, um, tends to cause my anxiety to creep up. I get a bit more overwhelmed. It feels like it's the Sunday scaries every day. So it's not easy to cut it out. I would say just because it's a nice treat on weekends here and there, but, um, but it, it really makes a difference for me. Um, medication. I take an anti-anxiety medication and um, this was a hard one for me to stomach, but I started after um, having my daughter when I was in that space of postpartum, I was prior to taking it up the mindset that I could exercise, eat well, meditate, and that that would maintain my mental health. And this was a huge learning point for me that there are moments when medication can save somebody when there are moments when your mental health can get to a place where you can't meditate, you can't get yourself out of bed to do the self-care things that you know you should be doing. And so um, I started that a year and a half ago and I'm still on it today. And 
Um, and it's been greatly supportive for me. I don't know if it's a forever thing, but I wasn't about to wean off in the middle of a global pandemic and, <laughs> and all the things. So to be continued. Um, and then I, I do supplements. I stick to one low caffeinated coffee a day. Um, and, and yeah, just, it really is for me about so much more than just the physical wellness pieces. So much of my health comes from feeling emotionally connected and emotionally well and in tune with my body and in tune with my husband and my kids and all of that kind of stuff. Well, first off, you know, I love that you shared that, like, it's so many, again, different layers and different pieces. And I love too, that you like, were like, Hey, I love my gosha. I love, you know, that you, you know, do I, like your essential oils. Cause I do too. Like I'm all about it. And, yes. you know, I think the healthy balance too, of like, you know, I love to get a massage in a, you know, normal world. Yes. And I love to, you know, I love to use my gosha and I love to, you know, feel good and put, you know, nice oils on my face and use essential oils for my, you know, mood and aroma. Like, I think that's all great but I love that you also tie in you know the piece of how important it is for you know your mindset and your wellness and your you know real like everything that ties into our minds and body how it all connects and soul and flows you know yeah. for you to function and also too you know thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that you know right for right now you are on a medication because it is helping and you know you're not sure you know where or when you know you'll choose to you know be on that or not be on that but that you realize you gave yourself the power to say you know what this is doing me more good than harm. So I'm going mm -hmm. to allow it into my life. And, you know, I totally understand that because, you know, when I went through my postpartum depression, I really thought I didn't want to be on, you know, prescription drugs, especially because breastfeeding and all the things. And I was very grateful that I, I found CBD and CBD to this day has still helped me and kept me in a very uh, sane uh, place and very peaceful place. But I know everyone, every single person is different and everyone has to find what works for them, just like they're just finding what they subscribe to and what lights them up. Yes. Important, you know, but I love for yes. you, you can <laughs> preach. She's like, preach it. Right. <laughs> she is. You know, it's like, it's, I love it for you being who you are and being someone of such wellness and, you know, of such positivity and light and what you share, there is such a, and I hate the word balance, but there's such a harmony within you and in uh, what you share and how you do try all different things. And it's not just one extreme or the other. It's very much like, Hey, this works for me. And I do this, but then this part of me is more woo. And I do this. And it's like, that's great yeah. because that's what we all can be. Like there is one, you know, there is no one box. There is no one subscribe and that's it, you know? And I think you do such a great job of sharing that. And so I just wanted to recognize that. And thank you Aaron, for sharing so much of your, you know, vulnerable and, you know, real raw truths, you know, here on my show today. I mean, it's just been so inspirational. Oh, thank you so much for creating a space where I felt like I could and for opening the, the floor, the microphone, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> but to have these types of conversations on your show, uh, I just, yeah, I love it. I could chat with you for hours. Oh, I, I feel the same. I really, I, you know, I love everything you share and I, I can't thank you enough. My daughter's, you know, you know she's trying to kill like, me. I'm going to want to have another baby now. Oh. <laughs> Apologies. I mean, the, the coups are like, I know, trust me. I mean, she's only eight months and I'm like, oh, am I crazy to want another baby? Yes. Oh, I'm crazy. <laughs> she's so cute. No, go for it. 
thank you. But you know, but thank you so much for all the gems and you know knowledge and everything you shared. Before I let you go, of course I'll have you plug yourself. But is there anything else you would want to leave my audience with, or anything you want to say that you want them to like take a pen right now? If you've just been listening and just been kind of in the zone, what they, should they write down to like truly know for themselves? The first thing would be that your body is on your team. I said it before, but your body was designed not only to help you survive, but to thrive. And it is giving you messages, subtle or not so subtle, the two by four over the head, <laughs> to direct you as to what it needs. So if dieting or binging or thinking about food all day is feeling complicated, it probably is too complicated. And there really truly are other ways of living where your relationship with food in your body can feel much more intuitive and healthy and aligned so that you can get on with doing all the other things that you want to create in your life. Um, and so I would just say, you don't have to be stuck. There is a better way. And um, there are so many books about this. There are so many podcasts. There are so many conversations out there. Uh, I would encourage you to come on over to Instagram and follow us at raw beauty talks. I share tons of women with different body types and then as well tools that I've found help women and then for anyone who's really ready to jump to feed in and who's like, I want wellness for my body um, without dieting then I have a program called the raw beauty reset it's 12 weeks it's all online we have one live coaching call each week lessons um, in the member section, an incredible community of women, over 300 women have gone through it now. And uh, it's, yeah, it's my greatest joy is working with individuals um, through that. So lots of, lots of support out there and abundance of ways for you to continue to feel really good in your body. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Erin. Obviously, guys, everything will be in the show notes. But as Erin said, you know, like your body, let it work for you. Know it's meant there to support you. You know, come home to that. Come home to that feeling. And of course, if you are needing support, know that, you know, Erin is there. And I, I will put everything in the show notes so you guys can check her out. And if you need her, reach out to her. Erin, thank you so much for being here and being just so inspirational and empowering for us as, you know, women and even for, you know, my young girls who need to know that, you know, our bodies are working for us. Like you said, our bodies are on our team. Our bodies are beautiful. This is just such an incredible conversation. Thank you, Allie. Thanks, guys. Cheers till next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, tune in weekly for new episodes, and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.